And welcome to another edition of the Top Pass podcast. We're coming to you after the finale of the Premier League season. Liverpool signed off in style against Newcastle with a resounding 3-1 victory. And before that, the last game at Anfield um, with an absolute cracker of a match. Um, 5-3 versus Chelsea. And we're going to kind of tie ribbons and bows around the around the season um, and talk about what we kind of think things might look moving into moving into the transfer market and moving into the new season because it really isn't that far away. And to do that tonight, I have John Henderson, Johnny um, in Belfast. How are you? Greetings, my man. Yes, I'm very well. I'm very well, thank you. Splendid, splendid. Um, good to have you on. Um, it's becoming a semi-regular occurrence again, which is pleasing. Um, semi-regular, unlike yeah. Dave O'Carrig. Uh, and I've also got Neil Patterson out in Berlin. Chief, how are you? Dead on, man. Yeah, nice to be back. And uh, yeah, thanks for having us on. Uh, keeping pretty well, thankfully. Uh, so all good. Looking forward to getting into this. Yeah. Um, so let's just do that then. So after 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 some, let's say, inconsistent sort of performances, a um, bit of a mixed bag coming out of the coming out of the break. Um, and into the restart last three games I think I want to include Arsenal in this because apart from two brain farts I thought we were really good against Arsenal um, but then Chelsea um, and Newcastle three three games where we just went let's just go out and score a pile of goals let's go out and score a pile of goals and really put pressure on teams and no clean seats but hey who gives a shit it was really really good fun really entertaining I mean the last I mean we you sort of you look. You mentioned the Arsenal game there. I mean, that was um, that was a, a a lesson in how to give away a football match because, as you say, we we totally dominated the game. Um, the possession stats show you that. The attempts show you that. Um, and it's it is a couple of, of brain farts as you as you described it there um, from two of our most consistent performers as well. But um, you you know you can you can forgive you can forgive that. Um, a little bit, obviously after the after the season's over, um, you know, obviously the the Chelsea game there, um, where we've we've won the, um, well, well, we've won, where we've lifted the 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 trophy at the end of it, um, you know, we've come out and um, really put on a show, um, top quality goals. I mean, actually, it, it's it's quite interesting because. We score amazing goals in that game. I think our, or I think our expected goals are less than one in the game, um, or around about the one and a half mark at least. Uh, no, no sort of more than that. But we're um, our finishing is lethal, um, and our, our standard of play is 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 excellent as well. And obviously Pulisic comes on for them and scores, uh, sets one up and, and scores a scores a good goal, um, and they bring it back to, to sort of four three for a while, but. Um, we you know, go on again and uh, and just reaffirm that and what a way to lift to lift your first Premier League title and your first top division title after 30 years uh, off the back of a game like that sort of exhibition stuff really um, and then obviously you've got the Newcastle game just gone just a couple of just yesterday I believe we're recording this on the on the Monday night so um, yeah bizarre start. Uh, caught caught off guard again, slightly lax, but um, 
there was only one team in the game after that. And I think the possession stats are outrageous. I think it's almost uh, almost an eighty percent situation for us, or maybe even even more over the course of the ninety minutes. And uh, we could have had more. Uh, Newcastle are, are hanging on for for dear life, and even you know you're bringing on you're bringing on the um, the front three, the the recognised front three with sort of twenty five minutes to go, and Newcastle must just be going. Forget it. Like, just um, should we just blow the final whistle now? We mentioned for for Divock getting his uh, getting a brilliant goal and and potentially uh, signing off with a with a with a top strike. And um, yeah, just in, in general, I mean, it's it's been difficult sort of getting back into football after the the restart with you know no fans and um, the whole situation in general, um, everything sort of going on. But, you know, the last few games have really gone a long way in, in general to sort of picking things back up and, and getting you back into it. You know, it, it's it's taken a while. And I suppose it took a while here in Germany as well um, to get back to a feeling of, yeah, it's normal to have football and, and you care about it again. But, yeah, I mean, it's been great to see um, the team perform so well, even – even under the circumstances of having won your your premier, you know the Premier League title with seven games to go. So yeah, before I ramble on all night, it's they've, they've been very entertaining games, and you know we finished the season with ninety nine points. Yeah, ninety nine points, Johnny. Um, for some reason, people aren't talking about. For some yeah. reason, people aren't talking about this because City got a hundred one year. You know. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's absolutely absurd, isn't it? It's just an extraordinary, um, an extraordinary um, achievement, and you know what we what we finished eighteen points ahead of them. Um, I don't know thirty something ahead of ahead of United in third. Um, thirty three, yeah, thirty three ahead of both United and Chelsea. You know, um, we're just so far and away better than better than everybody else at the minute, um, and no doubt teams are going to make make improvements but you know I think uh, the the Chelsea game Firmino's goal and I watched it back loads of times I absolutely loved it I think he starts it with a quick throw in and again there's just a little incremental improvement that we made for this season um, in retaining the ball better from better from throw ins and 20 passes later Firmino's heading it into the net finishing off the move um, from a trademark cross from Trent. And every player in the Liverpool side touched the ball, um, aside from the goalkeeper. And that's that's the team that we that's the team that we can be now. And that's more often than not the team that we have to be. Um, but God, we've come so far and all of those incremental improvements have brought us to this point of let's be honest, near perfection. Yeah, absolutely. I mean it's really, really absurd when you think that they've only, you know, they've only dropped 32 points in two seasons. You know, that's over two full seasons. You know, um, it, it's it, it's crazy. And just that consistency to go. And I think after the disappointment, you know, we're not going to rake over all ground, but I, I don't think it can be overstated, you know, how much balls. This, this team have you know to to lose a Champions League final in 2018 
get into the Champions League, to then go have an unbelievable, have the best league season in the club's history and lose out by one point. Um, and, though, and then and still manage to lift yourself to win the European Cup and then to come back this season after that disappointment and just go, well, do you know what? 97 wasn't enough, so we'll get 99. Um, and, and obviously City couldn't, couldn't live with it. But yeah, you know, there's... I think because of lockdown and I think because sort of we, we'd set little targets. Sure, the, never mind the supporters. I'm sure the players and club set targets as well because they knew the league was done. And because those little targets like, you know, winning every home game, first team to do that and God knows how long, um, and, and beating City's points record. We, listen, we all wanted that and it's frustrating that that, you know, that game against Burnley where we just missed so many chances and their keeper had a wonder game. That was the game that cost us both, really. Cost us the home record, cost us the the 101 points. You could argue Arsenal as well. Obviously, we dominated, but, you know, it can't detract from the fact that this was a Liverpool team that went out and obliterated the, the competition, obliterated the league, absolutely laughed in the face of that league. Um toward us under and yeah listen there's a lot of work to do for everybody else we're, we're going to come on and talk about what we think might happen and opposition and what we might do what they'll do you know in the transfer window but bottom line is it's going to take it's going to take something really really <laughs> it's going to take something huge um, from these, from from these other teams to get to get near us next season, that's for sure, Dave. Um, and they know it, and we know it. Yeah, that's that's a fairly fairly accurate account. I would have to say, Chief. It's um because of this strange scenario. It's now what the twenty seventh of July or something. Yeah. Um, <coughs> you know the season's finished now. It's the twenty seventh of July. Um. It's six weeks till the new season starts. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, six very, weeks. It starts September the 12th. Yep. It's a very, very small turnaround time there. Um, and I think moving into next year, that's really going to lend itself to us. That gives teams that have that huge gap to make up such a small time frame to make the desired changes and bed the desired changes. You know how long and protracted some of these contracts are transfers um can turn out being um and a lot of these teams are quite reactive in the transfer market um and i think there's an uncertainty in the market as well of what actually represents value anymore i am extremely confident going in to next year and actually if it was me i don't think i would really want to do anything major um because the first three, four months of next season, there's there's not going to be a lot of difference in the teams, I don't think. There'll be a sign-in here or there, and they might get dropped in, and it might take them, you know, they could come in and do a Fernandez and, and hit the ground running. But more often than not, players coming from particularly abroad, you get the likes of a Pepe coming in and not really settling um, and having to adapt physically to the league and to the pace of the league. So... You know, I think we're in a really, really good position due to these these circumstances. Yeah, I mean, bizarrely, well, not not even that bizarrely, 
the break and, and the fact that everything's cancelled in terms of uh, international competitions, Olympic games, um, things like that, that were we were that Liverpool were going to suffer sort of quite quite adversely from in the next season. What was Salah potentially having uh, going to the Olympics with with Egypt and um, the African Cup of Nations was going to be in the middle of the season and um, of course Euro twenty twenty we'd just be finishing Euro twenty twenty wouldn't we? Um, round about now that's usually isn't it June to July maybe we'd have yeah. finished finished it already perhaps but round about now we would have been finishing it so you'd been looking at you'd be looking at like four or five weeks till the till the season gets underway normally um, so you'd be in pre-season but as you know as you say we're we're in a we're at a, a slight advantage certainly because we've um, not only are we champions and of course we're you know, nineteen, at least eighteen points better than City this season, if not more. I would argue more. If we hadn't won the league with seven games to go, I think we would have posted a higher points total. And I think, I think you'd probably both agree with that. Um, but yeah, yeah. But we we um, we also are in a in a position where, um, as you say, that you've you've got no time to turn it turn it around. Um, you you're you're if you're a Chelsea, if you're a, brilliant, you've gone out and you've signed Timo Werner, which is a good signing. But I would I would say, not we don't know 100 percent it's going to work out, but I'd say it's probably going to work out. And we were definitely very interested. So, so you've signed him and you've got Zia coming in, and you know you might make a move for for Kai Havertz, but your your defense is is rubbish. And you don't have. Yeah, you time. pretty much need you. You pretty much need four defenders there. Yeah, and, and you don't have time three. to identify them. Never mind, sign them, get them bedded in, get them playing together, get them used to. So, it's, you know, even with the best will in the world, even if Chelsea do go out and sign three very good defenders to get all that done, you're probably looking at Christmas time before they're even close to settled. Uh, they need a keeper as well, <laughs> you know. Um, I, that lad at, saves nothing, does he? Yes, no, he's, he's, he's made of paper. Like he's, he's just there's nothing there. Like it just goes through him. But um, so so you've got a long way to catch up. City, likewise, you're playing in the Champions League now. You want to win that Champions League. That Champions League finishes. The Champions League finishes the last week of August. You've got 16 days till your first till your first Premier League match of the season, and you've got work to do as well. Um, you know what I mean. So it's difficult. All the, as I mentioned pre uh, pre pod, all the teams, all our rivals, all the the rest of the top four teams are still involved in Europe in European competition uh, in some form or another. Chelsea just have the one game most likely left against Bayern because they're heavily down from the first leg. But they've also got the FA Cup final to to be thinking about and. Uh, as, so, so their season will also go into August, less preparation time, um, and we've we're in a position now where we're not losing our top players, we're not losing Mane, we're not losing Salah, our um, top English players and other internationals are not knackered, European internationals are not knackered after a, a summer tournament. They've all had three months off with basically a fully fit squad. 
and uh, we're raring to go for the next season. So any any kind of tweaks we might make, they're only going to be small. I think there probably will be work done, but it's only going to be around the fringes and and making sure that you've got adequate cover and and you know you're you're fit and ready to go for next season because you've got the best squad or certainly the best team in the league at the moment, the best manager, the best sports science is all working and you're not going to face, we're, we're not going to face those pitfalls. We were going to face when we were potentially losing top players for, for long spells. So yeah, while there probably is going to be work to be done, I think it'll be, it'll be, you know, here and there, it'll be cherry picking and it'll be, um, you know, all done according to a to a plan to a to a, um, a profile. There won't be a, there won't be tons of money thrown about. No, I don't. I don't think so either. Um, I think we'll be very very prudent. I think we'll look to find value in the market, and I think when the market is this uncertain, it's difficult to know what value actually is. And and we know um, we know how these guys operate, and it's going to upset a lot of people probably. Um, but at the same time, it upset a lot of people last summer, and here we are with fucking ninety nine points in the Premier League, um, sitting and sitting in the table. So I mean, I will just say that if there is sort of a shrewd one to be done out there, you know, we've we've got a track record for for doing that and getting it right. So that's it. So the, the what, what what we've got is players that are starting to walk out the door that we really would have maybe liked to walk out. One or two seasons earlier, um, for some maybe, maybe we wouldn't have wanted them walking in at all. Um, so you know, Johnny, it's Klein's gone. Who, to be honest, at a variety of different points over the last couple of years, I've forgotten he was a Liverpool player. Um, <laughs> me too. Lallana, it's amazing that yeah, he's still on the books. <laughs> it's not. Um, Lalana also gone. Um, I think are really, really. Uh, I think there's. A lot of evidence to suggest that Adam's Adam Lalama's value was not necessarily on the pitch, but everything else that he brought to the club and the group and training sessions and setting standards. Um, and he does seem to come across as the constant professional. Um, and that's something that maybe he will look to replace that sort of attitude and experience um, and winning mentality. Um, and then you have Dedzy, <clears throat> who's popped out. 11 million. I don't know that's why. That's, why sti- that's, that's an absolute... We, we've had them right off there. Like. Oh, I, don't, I don't know why he's done that. Lovren, much maligned, but, you know, he gave us he gave us dormant. And I think that is one of those games that, you know, really helped build, um, build this project and move it forward. Um, one of those real defining moments. Um, so we'll always have that to remember fondly. But Johnny, it's going to be hard to replace him, you know, because he's had to play games over the last couple of seasons. And to go out and get somebody capable enough and experienced enough to be able to fulfill that role of, I don't know what, maybe eight, ten matches a season, that's not going to be particularly easy, is it? No, it's it's not. I mean... Of all the, uh, I suppose of all the teams, the recruitment teams, I would trust to go and unearth that player that can fill it. It would be ours. But no, you, you're right, and it's you know, um, 
he, he has a lot of experience. I mean, listen, we're not going to we're not going to try and cover up <laughs> what we've said in the past. About there's no covering the, that up. <laughs> there's no dags. The recordings are there. You know, I've felt for quite some time, quite early in his Liverpool career, um, he started making mistakes. There were people that were warning that you know he wasn't all that at Southampton, and that uh, you know other players had a tendency to make him look better at times. And he was very, very, he was so error, <laughs> he was so error prone, uh, and he's almost like the last. It's the last hurrah that defense that were just <laughs> you know pre clap the the helter skelter days and um, when when you just wouldn't know what you were going to get from her back for but no listen his experience and obviously he's really popular in the dressing room and that's the thing with Alana as well we we again he's another player we maligned on here because big wages spent a lot of money on him i know it's not doesn't feel like much but at the time uh, the 20 odd million we spent on him was a lot but obviously he brought things as well to the dressing room but never really for me, anyway, justified on the pitch. Um, and then Klein, yeah, you forget about him. It's, it's 300,000 um, 300, a week in wages. Not just shy of it. Probably not a kick in the arse off 300 grand a week. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of money on, on wages saved. And you'd have to be honest, not in terms of the team on the pitch, going to be massively you, you missed, you know, so there'll, there'll be opportunities. And I agree with Chief. I think, you know, we will have the people who cry ours. They they did the same all last summer. You know, there were people, you know, if you said to them, trust, you know, we've just got 97 points and won the European Cup, maybe you should trust the manager and he knows what he's doing. Um, you know, the, the, the same brigade will no doubt, you know, come out, even though we just had our best ever in the history of the club's best league season. You know, I think there's more than enough evidence there that Klopp knows what he's doing. But there will be people that will demand shiny new things and ignore that Klopp doesn't do things that way, that Klopp likes to leave pathways to bring young players through. He doesn't like spending for the sake of it, blah, blah, blah. But I do think we'll add some Thiago rumours are interesting. Um, I think I think we'll do... If I think Chief's right. You know, if it's shrewd, if there's something there... And I think if we can get an option up front, we're going to need cover at centre-back. Tiago one is a strange one because it just doesn't, as you said, Dave, when we were having a chat pre the pod. Um, midfield's the one area we just sort of look, and especially now with Keita coming to the fore, um, looking really, really sharp. Um, you know, you don't look at our midfield and think we need a midfielder in there. Um, and then you think about the forwards and, you know, there's a lot more to come from the likes of Minamino, I'm sure. But no, it's going to be interesting. It'll be fascinating to see what we can do. But I, my overriding feeling, feeling the same as you, Dave, I'm really calm about it. It's a, it's a, the teams, there's not a lot of money out there unless you're one of the Paris, Man City, Chelsea, one of those stupid clubs that doesn't really run properly, that live in their own little bubble where they just have billionaire owners that will throw cash at it. I think for everyone else, um, it's not really a time where you can go out and make massive sweeping changes to your team. So I don't see the gap being closed. And I think we're clever enough to make a few signings to keep us uh, ahead of the pack. But it'll be really interesting. It's going to be an, going to be a very interesting window with everything going on. Look, looking forward to it because 
with Edwards and you've seen it with the price we got for Lovren. You know, there's a bargain to be had and there's a good sale to be made. And uh, Mickey Edwards, who needs a statue built, as a lot of people will tell you, <laughs> will be the man to do it. Yeah. Um, Chief, that's three out. Do you see anybody else going out? Well, I mean, it's interesting. Obviously, we'll have to see. It's already been uh, alluded to that the market's going to... Well, everyone's... Nobody knows how the market's going to be. Everyone's waiting to, to, to see who tests the water, to see... I mean, obviously, we've mentioned Dexy there, 10 million. That's pretty good going. That's that's as much as you could possibly have, have got for him, I think. I mean, we signed him for, for 20 mil, and that's... 2014, summer of 2014, we signed him. We've had him for six seasons. I think he's 29. He's uh, he's he's fourth choice. He's hardly getting a game for us, and we've gotten 11 million for him. Um, so I mean, I did the market there for, based off that one sale. That that's not too different. I would I wouldn't say, but we'll have to wait and see how it how it pans out. Um, um, but I do think we probably will see other other players move on. Um, you know, I do think we, we've mentioned it. Uh, I think pre-pod. I do think D- Divock might move on. Um, it might be the right time. You mentioned when we were talking his uh, sort of poignant moment in in front of the cop uh, after the Chelsea game, and yeah, he might just have been you know soaking up the idea of being in front of the cop, even though it was sort of empty stands, but, you know, and, and feeling like a winner and having, having done it, or it might've been more as, as a lot of people have sort of said, maybe, a you know, a drinking it in for one last time kind of thing. Um, personally, I think it would be a good move if for Tivokarigi to move on now. Anyway, I think he could do really, really well as the main, as a main striker for someone, uh, a Premier League team or, or a team on the continent. I think um, he's, he's he's a player that we've, as a team, Liverpool have sort of evolved past. But as a striker, I think he's he's very, very good. Uh, he, he sticks the ball in the net and he's done it consistently for us over the years, um, despite having a really bad injury from that shithouse, Funus Mori. Um, but yeah, I think he, he could move on. I think it could be the right time for him. It, it could be the right time for the club. And I think if that happens... Um, that opens up potentially another another space in in that a, a, attacking um yeah attacking roster if you want or attacking lineup. So then that brings in the question of are you taking Brewster back or are you looking at another option from somewhere? Is Minamino gonna yeah attacking roster if you want or attacking lineup? So then that brings in the question of. Are you taking Brewster back or are you looking at another option from somewhere? Is Minamino going to step up? Do we need someone else anyway? Even if he does, probably we do. Other than that, of course, there's the the, the, same, the, the usual suspects like Shaq, for example, not really getting much game time, issues with injuries, um, coming up to the end of his career, might want to, to move on. Um, so there's potential sales there, I think, certainly. And then it remains to be seen if if we if we look to reinvest that money this season in the squad. But I think if if a couple do go, then we will need to. I think just numbers wise, especially if we are going to try and and as 
we pay lip service to all the time, compete on all fronts, although we, we don't really pay much attention to the FA Cup and the League Cup. But if we want to, I think we'll certainly have to, to add a couple more if, if anyone else goes. And then you've, of course, got the, the Genie Wijnaldum question, which I guess we're, we're going to come on to. Um, will he sign or will he not? Um, and, you know, the whole the whole conundrum there, because if he goes and you're looking at James Milner another year on, um, you are thinking potentially you do need a body maybe in midfield, especially if you if you don't sign a centre-back to cover Lovren and maybe Fabinho ends up doing bits there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's going to be all a knock-on effect. And if, if, as it always is, the dominoes will start falling into place once once somebody moves somewhere. And if we get an offer for Divock, for example, that's too good for us to turn down at this point, we will we will sell him, I'm sure. And if that money comes in, then we'll we'll need to do some some work in in that area. So, yeah, I think I think that we need to evolve as a squad. Um, I agree totally that we don't need wholesale changes, and I don't expect to see them. But you do need to keep constantly just refreshing and evolving, and you can't just expect the same players to go again and again and again and again. Not just physically, but also mentally. You need you need to kind of freshen it up to add some sort of new faces, new ideas, new personalities, as long as they're the right ones. Um, so yeah, potentially we could see more, and, and potentially a couple in as well. Yeah, the the genie one, the genie one, Johnny. It's been a kind of weird bit of, been a weird kind of hate fest around Ronaldo the last few weeks. I'm not really quite sure why. The contract is still. Uh, unsigned, as far as I know, um, but it's it's it. He is probably the player that it's most difficult to quantify what he actually adds and what he brings to the team. And we've talked about how it goes unnoticed, etc., etc., etc. And he, he scored that goal against Chelsea, and I'll be honest with you, he didn't look particularly happy about sticking the ball in the back of the net. He just dumped it in and then walked off looking a bit pissed off. Um, and I'm, and I'm <laughs> yeah. wondering what, I'm wondering, is there something, is there something that he feels isn't the way he wants it to be? You know, he's, I think after the Champions League semi-final against Barcelona at Anfield, um, he, he comes on, he scores the two goals and he was very outwardly spoken about how he was angry with the manager because he wasn't, in the starting eleven, so you can imagine that he's he's someone that will go and will go and speak his mind. I wonder is there something there that maybe we don't quite see, and is that potentially why we're looking at Thiago? Is it a matter of if Genie goes, we bring Thiago; if Genie stays, we don't? It's a really interesting one. I mean, first of all, the the nonsense from people on social media, and you know, <clears throat> if you watch football and you don't see what Ronaldo does, then you shouldn't really be watching football. You're not really paying attention because the reason that so many players in that team, um, especially, you know, the forwards, the two wide forwards in particular, the fullbacks, a lot of the reason they can do what they do is because the work that he does and Fabinho does and Henderson does. And he's, he's just such an intelligent footballer and he's technically very good. Um, so, you know, first of all, that's, you know, if you can't see the value of what Wijnaldum brings, I mean, even right back at the start with, with Klopp, I think it was him, got the the, the, the critical goal that sort of opened the scoring. 
I think it was against Middlesbrough when we, you know, that when we were trying to qualify for the Champions League for the first time. So we, you know, he, he scored at pivotal moments. And then obviously there's the Barcelona game. But I think purely with Genie, it's, it's his last big contract. I, I think it's purely about money. I mean, there's a thing during the rounds tonight and I've seen the figures before. So it's been doing the rounds on WhatsApp about what the Liverpool players' wages are. Um, and if you look at that, it's probably obviously it's obvious pretty quickly why Wijnaldum is not signed yet. He's he's on half the money of Milner. He's on half the money of Henderson. He's on half the money of Keita. And this is a player that's been integral to their success. That's a go-to player in the big games. He signing his last big contract of his career probably feels. And I know we can be churlish about it and say, "Oh my God, you're." He's quoted and this has been on 75 grand a week. We can say what we want, but footballers don't live in that universe. And yeah, that's that is a, an incredible amount of money. But let's call a spade a spade. There's there's midfielders, there's 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 players, uh forget about Liverpool, there's players that you know United spring to mind, but there's absolute donkeys <laughs> earning more than twice. That, the wage of Gini Wijnaldum, and it's his last big contract. So I have no doubt that he wants a deal. He wants to get, I'm sure his agent and him are pushing to get the best deal possible. I'd imagine he really wants to stay. I can't see why he wouldn't. You know, he seems really popular. He seems really happy um, when you see him training and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it was telling that he was a bit, he's maybe a bit miffed. He's thinking we're being a, Maybe the club just aren't offering him what he thinks he's worth. And, you know, if that's the case and we lose him, I think it'll be, it'll be a very, I, I'd be very annoyed to lose him because I think he's he's just so well-versed in how we play. And as we've seen with Fabinho, with Oxlade-Chamberlain, with Keita, it takes some amount of time for a midfielder to adjust to Liverpool. And he's perfect. He knows exactly even when he's asked to play the deep role, you remember the City tie in the Champions League a couple of seasons ago when he played the deep role and he was superb. So I hope we sort it. I really hope we sort it. Um, the people that don't like him can fuck off as far as I'm concerned. And if I was genuine album, I'd want a bit more money when you see what others in that squad are on, uh, especially given the amount he plays. So good luck to him. I hope we sort it out and I hope he stays. Um, and yeah, that that's that's about it. I love my genie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I I echo that really. I mean, I think I think it's bound to be about money, and I think it's 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 going to be about the jump, isn't it? Because um, it's you know this is when Alden's second contract at Liverpool. Um, so he signed what two thousand and two thousand and sixteen, something like that. Yeah. Think. 2016, he signed. So he's yeah, not it was Klopp's first, first, Klopp's first summer, wasn't it? Yeah, and he's, so he's not had a, he's not had a, a, a pay rise essentially since then. He's not had a contractual pay rise since then. So he's probably on, as you said, 75 grand a week. Everybody else around him is on 150 grand a week. Some potentially more. He's probably looking for that to be matched at least. But I mean, it's a big bump. Obviously, it's a doubling of your wage. So there probably is a, a bit of a discrepancy there um, in terms of what the club want to offer. You know, what's the normal sort of pay rise, contractual pay rise uh, for a player of his age, you know, and so on and so on. 
and what uh, what Genie wants because if we listen as and rightly so, I have been in- integral. I have been. I think at one point he had the most minutes under Klopp, um, played the most games a couple of seasons back, and he still he still plays ninety percent, starts ninety percent of our games, and, and and has done so more than in the last three four seasons. So you know he he, he does deserve it, but the issue is it's gone quite a long time, and he, he hasn't signed it. I think he probably does want to stay, but if the club is being and I don't know if they are, but so I want to want to say that. But if they are being sort of sniffy about giving him what he wants, he may feel kind of fuck you a little bit. Um, I know I would, you know, and, I, and I'm I'm sure others would. If you feel you've you've given absolutely everything, and there are others around you who are who are earning double what you're earning, you you are going to be slightly slightly missed. If if the club then turns around and says, well, actually, we don't want to give you that. So, you know, we we'll see how it pans out. Just absolutely echo what what Johnny said. I, I, I want them to get it sorted. I want them to sign. Um, I think that if you someone Johnny's right, you know exactly what he's doing. You see it, and but when when the general mass or the the wider, the more casual football fan or the casual observer of Liverpool can't make it out, they're usually the players you can't you can't do without. Um, because as Johnny says, they're usually the ones that enable the uh, the, the machine to function so well. So um, yeah, it would be would be a real shame if if we let Genie go um, at the moment, um, unless it was his real desire to leave. But I think we should do whatever whatever we need to do to keep him. Yeah, it's it's a real no brainer, and as, as you rightly said, it's such a difficult position to get the grips with and there's no real benefit um in shipping someone out who, who who knows the business inside out and bringing somebody in who needs to be bed in particularly given the circumstances we've already discussed um totally, totally. so um if it is down to money yeah i can understand that um not from a greed perspective but from a how much he feels valued by the club perspective. and mm-hmm, Totally. And there has been, let's be honest, there's been a lot of, like, contracts bumped recently as well. We just, you know, it was a time not that long ago we just went around giving, giving just a whole pile of random people new contracts. Here, Andy Robertson have a new contract. Here, Trent have a new contract. Here, somebody else have a new contract. And, you know, maybe they're only on 75 grand a week, et cetera, et cetera. But this then becomes the difficulty um, when you do reach this level of success and you are paying players the 150s and the 175,000 pound a week and other players who have been there, they, they want to feel as though they're valued in the same way. And that puts a strain on your finances. And in order to sustain that, you need to go and keep winning things. The problem so let's is do that. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> let's do that. So I think, you know, in the same mold as in the same mold as when Alden chief, um, integral to the squad, Jordan Henderson, to the absolute disgust of a variety of different football fans out there, has won Football Writers Player of the Year. For me, it's a fitting tribute to a player who has shown he's everything that people said he wasn't, um, everything that people have labelled at him, he's. He's 
thrown it back in their faces tenfold now. Um, and he's shown incredible leadership off the pitch as well um, by putting captains together around providing funding for coronavirus support and the NHS and things like that. Um, so that factors into this award as it did with Sterling last year. But on the pitch and off the pitch for us, I think it's been even more noticeable when he hasn't been on the pitch, the impact that he has. And I think it's something like his win ratio is his win ratio is the highest of all of our players. We're generally more likely to lose when he's not on the pitch. Over the time, over over his Liverpool career, and certainly since he got the captaincy, let's just let's just say um, he has proved doubters wrong. He's proved managers wrong. He's proved um, people pundits in the press, Sir Alex Ferguson, um, various other negative pundits wrong, and he's proved us wrong. Fans wrong at times. I mean, he had he was one of the, he was one of the most divisive figures, as we know on this podcast. With certain Dave Caron of this parish never never really had much time for for Jordan Henderson, and and some of some of us down the years have have, have questioned um, his value, his usefulness, um, or his use in in general. Could we upgrade? I think to be fair, for a long time, for two full seasons at least. We didn't see the best of Jordan Henderson. We um, he was injured. Essentially, he was never fully fit for basically from from 2014 till 2014-15 till the end of 2015-16. We didn't really see the best of him. We saw 2013-14 just how good of a player he was and could be. But this is a player who who at one point was going to going to Fulham in part exchange for Clint Dempsey. Um, Brendan Rodgers told him, "You're not in my plans. You're gonna have. You're gonna struggle for playing time. I want to bring Clint Dempsey in from from Fulham, and you know, plan to send you there in part exchange. But but you know, it's it's your call, basically. You know, he chose to stay, and and from that point on, he, he took him half a season to force his way back into the team, and from then he's gone on to become captain. And from that, he's those people who said he could never be a captain, and he would never be like Gerrard, and." He didn't have the presence and he didn't have, he wasn't a leader and he didn't. And yeah, maybe he's taking time, but now he's, he's the, he is the captain that's lifted the, the European cup, the world club cup and the Premier League trophy. And, um, yeah, he's going to go down as an absolute legend of the club. And, you know, he's grown in stature. Both in performances and in 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 personality and character over the over his time and right now he's he's you couldn't fault him really on anything you know what I mean when he speaks he speaks he talks sense he's down to earth he's but he's not a, he's not boring to listen to either he's not just trotting out the cliches he's um, he embodies he won the Anfield Raps embodiment of Liverpool but he embodies the the club. The spirit of the club, the the humility of the club, the the excellence of the club, the hard work of the club, the fans, the area, everything everything about him. It's you, you can't really wax lyrical about him enough. And yeah, I know what you mean that you miss him a lot when he's not there. But I think you see now fully the value of him when he is there as well. And um, he's just going from from strength to strength. And hope he lifts. May he lift many more trophies in the future.
And personally, I think, of course, just to add this in, the whole Premier, the Football Writers Player of the Year thing, we are obviously going to think that he was the right choice, and I firmly believe that he was the right choice. Other people will argue because they have different criteria, but when you when you actually listen to, to the football writers and what they're basing their criteria, what their base, what's what the parameters actually are, it includes a whole lot more than just being the best footballer in the league. Yeah, that's that's absolutely fair, and I agree with all of that, um, Johnny. I suppose. Um, Football well, you know I'm here. gonna, you know I'm gonna always praise Henderson anyway. Uh, <laughs> well, comes from good stock, eh? That's it. Um, Absolutely. Good Best of stock. Good Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, th- I think it's fair. You know, we, he's not the best footballer in the league. Um, there's far more, there's far more technically gifted players than him in the league, um, and Kevin De Bruyne is certainly one of them. Yes. And we can argue yes. that because De Bruyne is such an unbelievably talented footballer. People said he was going to be the difference this year. People said Kevin De Bruyne was going to be the difference between us not being to keep up with City this season after last yeah. year because he was injured the majority of last year. And he's come into that team and <clears throat> although he's scored some amazing goals and he's got unbelievably crazy numbers in terms of assists. He's playing for a he's playing in a midfield that concedes weird amount of goals for the money that's been spent on them. Um he's playing for a team that's finished near twenty points behind Liverpool and haven't been able to cope with us all season. So do you think there's an argument for him for player of the season? Does he get um PFA player of the year? Mm-hmm. For me, as you know, as an individual, technically, creatively, as an attacking force, he's an unbelievable footballer. Like we don't have to; everyone knows that about him. But but you're right. But there is another there is this, another side to this conversation, and people will say, "Well, that's the fault of everyone else." Because when you get more assists than any other player in the league, and you chip in with your fair share of goals and performances, it's hardly his fault. But the bottom line is. They've been miles off it. You know, they've been they've finished they've finished a country mile behind Liverpool. Um they were nowhere near it. They lost nine games. They lost nearly a quarter of their their games. You know, I think we 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 made the point several times on this pod that, you know, on average every three games they tended to drop points, whether it was lose or draw, whereas Liverpool were just relentless. It's been quite telling that they've only been able to really string together four or five consecutive wins when when it's meant nothing when the pressure's been off you know they showed up so i get and i get but even people, then johnny they they go and lose they go and lose to chelsea you know they go and lose to yeah, chelsea yeah. um whenever it's you know if you don't win liverpool are going to win the league and they go and lose so yeah 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 I, I mean and that's been the story of their season that that that's what happened we laid down a marker and we we it was over to them and they didn't do it. I get some people being, you know, as a talented footballer, some will argue. I mean, for me, personally speaking, I think Manny should win the player of the year because I think Manny's played in the team that are the best team. And he, for me, and this is just my opinion, I think Van Dyke's levels of excellence every week, sort of, we take Van Dyke for granted because he's just the best centre-back in the world and he's amazing. Um, and, and, you know, I think we, we're sort of now coming to take Salah's goals and 
what he brings to the team a bit for granted for Mino. And I just think with Mane, you know, in a team that were just relentless, he for me was was the man. I think there was a couple of games Norwich away where he got that goal. There was the game uh, at Villa where he put over a beautiful cross for Robertson to head the equaliser and then he just puts his head in where most people wouldn't put their boot. You know, one of the bravest headers you'll ever see from a corner um, to win that game. And he just done that time and time again. He never hides from me. He, and he's played in the team that have, have won. And, that, and to me, that means something in the PFA Player of the Year. I think, you know, when you've been outstanding and waiting with goals and assists and you've been the driving force behind the best team by a mile, to me, that's worth more. I Manny would be my Player of the Year. Um, the whole Henderson thing, listen, echo everything Chief said. We were on this pod. We often got frustrated with him because we felt he was too safe. We felt... But he has grown and grown. And listen, all the off the field stuff, all the captaincy stuff, absolutely. He's been a leader. He has done all that. But I think what doesn't get credit enough is the tactical improvements with Klopp that Henderson, uh, you know, he really brings impetus to our game. Now, you don't, you don't, people say, oh, we miss Henderson because he's not there giving people a rollick in and tempo. And that's true, of course. We do miss that. But also, what he does is, He's intelligent now. He knows when to stretch the game. He's got that fine sort of pinged pass from left to right uh, down to a fine art, whether it's out to Trent or whether it's it's out to, to Salah. He, he, he does that pass. His weight of pass when we're over, you know, doing overloads in teams and, and, and getting players around the corners, he, he's, that's become a real strength of his as well. And... I think you're, of all the stuff I'd read from the journalists who were talking about it, I thought you're Jason Burt, the guy with the Telegraph, and you'd see him on the Sunday Supplement. I thought he made a great, the great point as well. Forget about all the off the feed stuff, which has been exemplary. Forget about the leadership and all that that uh, you know, which which is there. But the bottom line is, the best team in the country by a mile have not looked the same team when he's been missing and that's how big that that is how integral he has made himself to that system and that team we miss him that team that are miles better than anybody else that have walked the league that have won the european cup that have had dropped you know 32 points dropped in two whole seasons absolutely absurd only dropped 15 points this season they have missed him and that that tells its own story and of course he's a worthy of course, he's a worthy winner. And does it boil piss with, you know, United fans and everybody else that just wants to find a reason to dislike him or dislike Liverpool? Of course it does, but we don't care. I, I was delighted for him. I'd absolutely delighted for him. I think Manny should get PFA Player of the Year. Um, Klopp got Manager of the Year tonight, as I was saying, as well, which is obviously a no-brainer. So a Liverpool clean sweep would be very nice indeed. Very nice indeed. It would be nice. Um, it would be nice. Um, I probably do think it's between De Bruyne and, and Henderson, but we'll wait and we'll see. Um, Chief, do you have someone you feel should be outright player of the year? Because um, yeah, I mean, Trent's going to win young player of the year, isn't he? 
I mean, I would, I would definitely give it to, to Trent Alexander Arnold, a hundred percent. Do you know what? He, he should have a shot of senior player of the year as well. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree with that. I don't. It's, it's very rare that someone would get both. Um, but again, that's sometimes just the way the votes go. But um, yeah, he, he, there's, there's an argument for a number of our players. You know, there's an argument for a number of them. But Trent, I mean, I, I would. Think, I, I would sort of go along with Johnny anyway, in that in that I think Mane's actually been our best player. It's very difficult to quantify, really, but I just think that he's um, he's just he's just class. He's just absolutely class. I mean, he's he's lethal. He's a, a total warrior. He's one. He's fucking gnarly. He's he sticks the foot in. He's skillful. as it? He's pacey. He's he can score all kinds of goals. He and his and now he has developed this trait where he can become like a mini DDA dropper as well, where you can just chuck a sixty-yard high ball up to him and, and he can bring it down, it down in the down. chest and lay it off. And it's unbelievable the and his development will the win. Game. His will to win is is like I mean I remember this is going back whenever he played for Southampton. And he scored the fastest hat trick in the league, but he beat Robbie Fowler's record. And at the time, he was just, he was a scruffy player and he was patchy. But I remember saying, I would fucking, I, he's, he's like a poor man Suarez. I remember saying at the time. And he's just, obviously, over the time, he's, he's just honed his game and gotten better and better. And he's still got that fire, that, that on, Deniable. I will not be denied. I will not be stopped. We will be winning this game. It's brilliant. He harnesses it slightly better than Suarez, even in that he he does it. He used to have more of a wild side, but he, he tends to keep it much more under wraps these days. Um, but I love him, and I think he's been our best player. And as as Johnny said, I think if you're if one team has been so much better throughout the course of the season. All the awards should really go to them, and it should be pick one of this squad. Um, I, I, as I said, as you said, and I agree, Kevin De Bruyne is fabulous. Watched some, watched match of the day earlier and saw his goals against Norwich and his assists and whatever, and that's fabulous. That's brilliant. But the league's over, and they're the bottom club. And you know he's done it, obviously, in other games, and he is a joy to watch, but. He hasn't driven them on to achieve anything. He hasn't. They've, they've they've gone backwards and they've gone quite demonstrably and obviously backwards. And they've got a lot of work to do. Um, and De Bruyne or no De Bruyne, he's not going to be the difference next season. Just like he wasn't the difference this season. And I doubt he's really ever been the difference. So that's it. I mean, I think he's a fabulous, fabulous player. But is he his team's most important player? Does he? Does he? make them into winners does he make them in does he drive them like that does he on top of the the brilliance I don't think that he does and I think if there's one thing that De Bruyne possibly potentially lacks a little bit it's that it's the the real will will to win like and to drive others around him forward I don't know maybe that's harsh um but yeah of course he's he's one of the best to watch around at the moment and some of those goals he scores are awesome. But, um, yeah, I would say that does he make those critical contributions and are they important enough? Well, they haven't been this season, put it like that. 
yeah, um, they haven't really stacked up to anything. Um, I think they go out, and again, we talked about their talked about their um, inconsistencies, Johnny, earlier, and you know they're they're dumped out of the, they're dumped out of the cup semi final by Arsenal. Arsenal passed the ball around them into the net. Arsenal, yeah, you know, yeah, and I know what we went and beat. I know Arsenal went and beat us, but we didn't really. We fucking beat ourselves that day that night. And Arsenal were worth their win that day. Um, yeah, I, I would I would agree. I would agree that potentially he's he's not going to go out there and he's not going to drag a team, you know, Gerard esque because I think there are comparisons made with De Bruyne and Gerard. Um, yeah, but De Bruyne isn't Roy of the Rovers like he, no, no, like you said he can't can't no, do that. He can't grab the the no, game. He, He's not gonna. He's not gonna drag a team by the scruff over the line, you know. He's not gonna, you know, score score the big one at the last minute when it matters, and, and get an extra five or ten percent out of the players around him and look after players around him and fill in for players around him. I don't think so. It seems like a really harsh conversation to be having about one of the probably the most but talented and, footballer in the league, you know. And and can you win? Say they don't win the Champions League. Can can you can the the PFA player of the year just have won the League Cup. Is, is that, is that, can that work? I mean, probably it can, but, you know, it's, there are many more competitions on offer. And if City finished this season not winning the Champions League, knocked out of the FA Cup by an Arsenal team that were certainly favourites to beat and having, um, you know, lose, dropping 20 points behind their closest rivals in the league, it, it's not been a good season for them. So, you know, maybe that doesn't come into it, but I, I would think it should. Yeah, I would think it should as well. But we'll wait and we'll see. Um, we'll wait and we'll see. So we've talked a little bit about we've talked a little bit about transfers. Just one, just a bit of fun before we wrap it up. I suppose we know who's we know who's down. It's Bournemouth. It's Norwich, and it's uh, somebody else. Shit, who's the other shit team? Watford. Give me one player from each that you would take. Ake, I'd jump in there. Sorry, man. I'd, I'd go with I'd take Ake from Bournemouth. Probably cover us as centre back and left back. <laughs> um, then who have you got? Watford. I'd take I'd take Sa from Watford. Sar. Sar. Yeah. He's young, isn't he? He's, yeah, he's only, yeah. Yeah, he's young. I'd take him. And who have you got then? Who's the last one that went Norwich. down? Norwich, fuck Jamal Lewis. Yeah, it's funny. There's, it's, it's, Norwich is a funny one because everyone's like, oh, Norwich they have a whole pile of good players. They've got a whole pile of good players, don't they? And then someone says, and right, and that's a really good point. Well, see, for having all these good players, they fucking finished with twenty one points or something. Yeah, they were shit. They fell off a cliff. They lost ten in a row after the restart or something. I mean. I would probably go with Jamal Lewis um, if I wasn't going with Ake. If I don't go with Ake, then I would go with um, Brooks from from Bournemouth. So take David Brooks, and then we'll take fucking um, Jamal Lewis from Norwich and um, Saar from from Watford. Okay, Johnny. I'd take Troy Deeney because I think we lack that leadership up front and he'd be... I'm only joking, I'm only joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. I thought you were joking Just, then. I was like, oh, wait, this has gone on even too long. Do you think we lack a plan B, Johnny? Is that what it is? 
<laughs> we, we lack you know, we lack cojones on a plan B. And try would be the man. Um, I would just I would do what I would, nearly, I would nearly just bring Deeney in just so we can just you know just make Van Dyke feel better. Just follow him around. <laughs> you smell, you smell so good. You're so big and you're so strong and you're so great. <laughs> maybe do that. I wouldn't ever play him. It's an interesting one. There's there's a couple of good players. It's I tend to th- I would agree with Sar, and I actually think that's a transfer that could happen. I think we love a wee bargain from a wee relegated team, and I would say Mickey Edwards' as wee laptop would be you'd be liking the look of him. Um, he he'd be the one from Watford. I think then it's interesting Bournemouth. I, I really like Brooks, but, but Aki to me is a fourth choice centre back. Yeah, um, and then when it comes to North, there's probably two, but for the practical reasons in the squad, you'd go with Jamal Lewis. You know, an attacking left back, really comfortable, good player, young um, deputy for for Robertson. Yeah, you know, someone that could come in. Although it seems like we're, we're grooming Nico Williams for that. But then Campwell is is a, is a super wee player as well. You know, and then the yeah, and the other one there, the other one Max there. That, sorry, sorry, I, you cut out there, Johnny. No, I was going to say, was it Max Ahrens? Uh, he's been like with Bayern Munich today, I noticed. Yeah, the right back. Um, there's the other mm. lad who, uh, uh, is he like second or third in chance creation or something like that? Buendia, everybody seems to have been. Oh, yes, Buendia, been speaking right. about, um, And he is, you know, if, if, and we know we do use statistical analysis fairly accurately, but there's some fairly obvious statistical analysis out there that he is uh, fairly fairly creative and potentially um, someone who could deputise in the in the attacking third of the pitch. So I I can genuinely see these are the sorts of transfers that that, that will happen as opposed to a Werner or somebody like that. Um, but even still, you know, we could go and we could go, right, yeah, we'll go and take Ake for, for 15, 20 million or something. They're really good, happy days. But let's be honest, if Chelsea or City... City could sign Nathan Ake, and he starts every week. Whereas if he signs but, but if but if Nathan Ake does, and I agree with you, but if Nathan Ake does start for them every week, they're not getting close to us because he's not that good. That's the thing. He's decent. He's good. You'd sign him for. I'd sign him as a fourth choice centre back. Plays with Verge at international level, so you've got that. But. You know he's he's a decent defender, but he's not. He, I wouldn't want him as first choice. No, not I wouldn't joke. want him as first choice. No, so, not when we've got the two that we have. But he starts so for Chelsea. When I heard he starts the, for Arsenal and he starts for City. Totally. And if I when I heard the rumor that City were interested, I was like, because I'd mentioned that guy in our chat a few weeks ago, and then I heard City were interested, and I was like, well, fucking let them have him because they'll actually start him, and that's great because that's what they need because he's the next best. Centre back, you're going to get at the moment, isn't he? In the Premier League, he's been been touted for a while. Just mentioned his international sort of pedigree and, and playing career. Um, he's he's been in the Premier League for a long time. He's he's still young for a centre back, etc. 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 So he is the next the next one to go for if you're Man City. But he's so far off off of a, a Van Dijk or even even a Joe Gomez. It's it's not quite true. So let them go and get him, and, and we'll pick up Jamal Lewis, left back cover instead, and uh, and drop Fab in there every so often. 
and he'd still be better. Um, but yeah, you're right. He, he would start for a lot of. He'd probably start for Chelsea as well, which is ironic because he didn't. He, didn't they sign him from Chelsea? Yeah, yeah. It was one of those funny ones. They loaned him for a year and then signed him. Chelsea even saw that he. Chelsea had a chance to see that he was good in the Premier League, and they still sold him. Yeah, they still sold him, and they've got yeah. no centre backs now. No. So it's um, it's going to be interesting, but I can see that. Uh, I just I find it really difficult to have a conversation with people that don't think that the situation is going to impact our transfer business because it absolutely is. Um, you know, we're well, think already it, think it already has though. Just just in the in the idea of we've had a break and our players are not going away to international tournaments at all. So the idea that you're you're going to lose players for 10, 10 games in the season or even eight games in the season or potentially two players for six or seven games at Christmas or any of that, you're not having to think about any of that. Everything is a little bit bit easier a little bit you, you know a little bit more where you are you know you've got your players you've got them all fit now they've all had a break so just in, just just through that never mind the financial implications which are obviously going to have some effect but just through the, the circumstances that have been created by the lockdown and everything the whole scenario for next season is wet, totally different now compared to January when they would have been planning what they were doing and whatever the, the, no way they could have foreseen pandemic, lockdown, cancelling Olympics, cancelling Euros, cancelling African Nations Cup, you know, no way. Yeah, so we will move through the next few weeks and they'll probably fly by as to what actually happens. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what moves are made and by which teams, um, I guess, because as was stated, there's a lot of catching up for, for a lot of teams to do. Um, so any other business before we wrap it up, folks? No other business other than to say hope the Reds enjoy their well-deserved summer break and then come back strong for number 20 next season and hopefully number seven as well and give, make a better festive going for big years again. But yeah, looking forward to the transfer window. Yeah, more next year, maybe, as you say, do the double maybe next year, get over the 100 points, still something in for and. It was amazing, obviously, finally getting the let off with the with the win against Chelsea and lifting the trophy and how class it'll be next year. Hopefully, doing doing the same again, but with with full stadium and with fans going absolutely berserk. All right, um, yeah, fingers crossed. Um, so, as you rightly said, guys, more the same. Um, and until next time, up the Premier League champions. <laughs>